Hey guys, and welcome to Straight Talk with Hope. We are in the month of February, y'all, and we are just a few days from approaching Valentine's Day, which is this Sunday, February 14th. And so I thought, what better way to kick off another episode for this month with the none other than my beefcake. Yes, I call it my beefcake. Um, It's the world-renowned phrase for everybody that follows us on social now. They know him as this. And um, I was like, we totally got to get together and do another episode of part two, This Is Us. So if you missed the first session episode we did, it was last year around the same time. So you can catch that on the Straight Talk with Hope um, Apple iTunes podcast. And then today we are kicking it into gear with part two of This Is Us. But you guys know how we roll on this uh, podcast and we kind of like to started out with a few Q&As. And so, Beefcake, tell us, like, when you think of Valentine's Day, I know there's so many things that go through your head, right, on the subject of love. Um, but what is your favorite Valentine's candy that you like to get? Mm, favorite Valentine's? I think that my favorite Valentine's, it's not really a candy, but it is a dessert. Mm-hmm. It's years ago, you ordered me something from a place called Sugar, is it Sugar Daddy's? Sugar Daddy's. It was like a blonde, like a home delivery, blondie brownie. Yes. So you get like the sweet and you get the salty. Yes. So like a, a blonde colored brownie. And uh, it came with like three or four in there. And I did not want to share them. They're, they're amazing. They are amazing. It's like a gourmet mm-hmm. brownie. And they're really big. Yeah. And they come in circles. Yeah, like circle tins. And yeah, those are amazing. Y'all totally forgot about sugar daddies. Beefcake and sugar daddies. All right. So we have got to get us some sugar daddy brownies. We haven't had those in a while. I think that they were on the Food Network. We used to watch they the Food were. Network a whole lot when we first got married. Yes. So I think they featured it on that. And you surprised me one year. Yeah, that was a good surprise. I like that. Okay, so what about like, what's your favorite love song that you can think of about, kind of reminds you a little bit about love and Valentine's? So there's probably a whole lot of country love songs that I really like, but <laughs> this might be a crowd favorite and surprise some people. But one of my favorite songs, just period, is Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. Oh if, my it, if it comes on at a store, I just have to start singing it and I just want to go all in with it. And most people probably think that's really funny, but yeah, I love me some Whitney Houston I Want to Dance with Somebody. You also love, that is funny, and you also love the um, and, yes, Footloose. When yes. he hears that song in a store, it's like, I mean, Kevin Bacon in person. I mean, he is like <laughs> totally loving it and jamming out. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. Um, okay, so another thing that I think about Valentine's Day would be like movies, right? Like romantic comedies, shows, movies. And I think we could both agree on this, that one of our favorite love movies is The Notebook. Yes. So it's definitely The Notebook for me. And my favorite part, I think, in that movie is when it shows the couple and they're older. And um, mm. I think that they're older at that point and they're down there sitting next to each other. And the, the older husband tells the, the older wife, he says, you're still my sweetheart. Mm. I think that's my favorite part of the whole entire movie. And um, so, yeah. That's so yeah. sweet. Oh, I love that. 
Um, okay, so in wrapping this up before we get into the hot and heavy on the marriage um, <laughs> steps that we have grown and love to know and still living out to this day, um, you know, I think about like in marriage in general, I know there's so many favorite parts and this is like a little more serious question, but what is your, if you could think of like one thing, I know there's so many great things you can think of, but if you could think of one thing that you love about our marriage, what comes to mind? I think the first thing that comes to mind to me is, um, and maybe this is just me having an old soul, but I can't wait till my kids get older. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, so this is not answer to your question, but I'll get to it in just a second. I can't wait till my kids get older, if they're growing up and they're married, to be a grandfather. Mm. Like, I just feel like that's going to be an amazing time of life where you get to enjoy your kids and your kids' kids. But what made me think of that was this, is especially like over the last few days, like if I come home from work, and I'll see you in the kitchen. And I, I have this thought, and, I, and the thought is this, is that I love growing older with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love how we've been married almost 18 years now, but I'm enjoying it more now yeah. than ever before because I feel like hopefully I'm better by this point and I've learned some things. I know you definitely are. So I think that that's the part that I love about the most is just like, I love seeing you in the kitchen with the kids and just seeing our life and just that we're, we're growing better with each other and more in love with each other and growing older with each other. I love that too. That's a great way to kind of end this session and jump into what we're talking about today. So stay tuned, guys. Hope you guys have a notebook ready because you're going to want to take some notes, whether you're single, about to be married, newly married, or you're in it to win it like we are 18 plus years. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll see you here in a second. Well, today we are going to be sharing with you, like I said a moment ago, a little bit about our story. We have been married coming this September for um, 18 years, which is really hard to believe. Yeah. Um, when we got married, I was 19 years old. So I joke around with people and say I got married when I was a boy, because if you look at our wedding pictures, um, man, I look just like a boy. It was it was hilarious <laughs> how young I actually looked. And we actually would have sometimes people see me with my wedding ring on and thought it was a joke because I look so boyish. So anyway, I'm thankful to have facial hair 18 years later and look a little bit older. And uh, <laughs> but it's been a wonderful journey so far um, being married this long. And um, how many of you guys out there have been married? You just got married in the last year. OK, we got some hands there. And how many of you guys uh, you've been married over 10 years? If you'll lift your hands. 15 years. Anybody that's been married over 20 or 25 years, hey, let's give it up for them this morning. Um, That's an incredible thing to do, especially in this day and age, to be married for that long. You have done something right, and maybe you should be up here actually sharing uh, versus us, but we're going to have a good time today. But um, this morning, what I wanted to kind of share together was about four ways to have a timeless marriage or four things that we've seen along our journey um, to have a marriage that will last. And um, we've been married this long and uh, we know there's going to be a lot of wonderful years to come. But before we jump into these points, we want to kind of let you know a little bit about us and about um, how we first met. And um, so 
we it's funny because we kind of have two different stories about the first day that we met and uh mine is a little bit more spiritual i think and hopes is well i'll let her just kind of share what hers is so babe tell tell everybody about like the first day that we met yeah we totally have two different takes on the story um a lot of people i think would probably think when they had first you know gotten to know us and meet us like especially going back in time 18 years ago like oh hope's probably you know real spiritual that kind of thing and so my story doesn't really totally match that <laughs> but um when i first met ryan so he had a sister who's a little bit older than me i was friends with her for some time and she never even mentioned that she had a brother which i don't really find that as odd but um looking back on it you know i'm like why didn't you tell me you had this hot brother and so um anyway i remember i had come into town in oklahoma and had stayed the night with her and like i said um she had this brother who i was not aware of he was actually outside and i was coming down the stairs and when you come down the stairs and you make a turn. Um, it kind of has like an opening of the front door with some windows. And I saw this like pickup truck out there and this guy in the middle of summer with his shirt off washing his car. And I was like, I'm about to go take a look at this. And so <laughs> I was walking towards the window of the front door and nobody was around. So they weren't seeing me do this, but I could not take my eyes off of this stud out there who was like so attractive and so built. And so I was like, who is this? And then April comes down the stairs and she's like giving me kind of almost a weirdish look like, what are you looking at coming to find? Obviously, it's her younger brother um, out there. And so I was like, yeah, he looks pretty amazing. <laughs> So for me, my take on it is a little bit different. Uh, same day, same scenario, same house. Um, we had a chance to get to talk for just a, a few short minutes, but in that amount of time, Hope made such an impression on me with the amount of, of just genuine joy that she had. And I tell people to this day that um, my wife was the first, I think, real Christian that I think I, I really ever encountered that had a joy and a peace about her that made me want to live for God. And she made such a mark on me in such a short amount of time that after she left a little bit later that day, um, my sister was like, so what do you think about hope? And um, I just got quiet for a second and I, I had the words come out of my mouth. I told my sister, April, I think that she's the type of woman that I want to marry one day. And my sister just looked at me with the craziest eyes. And then she said, that is so weird that you would say that because she is way too good for you. And that would <laughs> never happen. And um, so anyway, April, if you're listening, you were wrong and I was right. So that's just a little brother sister <laughs> fun there. Um, but all these years later, um, that's exactly what happened. She was the person then that I, I knew I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. But it's funny that she had that take on the first day that we met and then I had the take on the first day that we met, because if you listen to Hope's side of the story, you know what? I think all of us could agree to something that her priorities were probably a little bit out of line about what she was looking for that particular day compared to mine. Uh, so that brings us to our very first point, which is 
the first way to have a timeless marriage is that you have got to prioritize each other in marriage. And I want to share a verse of scripture with you in Mark. It's Mark 10, 7 through 9. It says, For this reason a man will leave his parents and be wedded to his wife, and the husband and wife will be joined as one flesh, and after that they no longer exist as two, but one flesh. So there you have it. What God has joined together, no one has the right to split apart. In marriage, and one of the things that we've realized over the years is that there are so many things competing for our time, whether it's hobbies, whether it's careers, whether it's other friendships and things like that. We all get pulled in so many different directions. And one thing that I've realized over the years is that nobody likes second place, right? Nobody likes to come in second place, whether it's sports or whether it's life. Everybody wants to be a priority to somebody else. We want to be the most important. And I can remember growing up, the last year that I played baseball, I played for the Marlins. We had these cool pinstripe uniforms. I was super excited to be on the team because I was the youngest person on the team. Uh, but I sat on the bench a lot that year because that was that time in my life where it was like all the other guys were getting facial hair and they're about six inches taller than me and could throw the ball a lot farther. And I realized this might be my last year to play baseball because they're becoming men, and I'm not quite at that stage yet. But we got all the way to the championship game that year. And you guys, you know what? It was the very end of the game, and we lost by one point. And everybody was so devastated because we came in second place. And I remember the, to that to this day, that feeling of coming in second place and not being number one. That's a bad feeling when it comes to sports, but it's an even worse feeling when it comes to marriage and relationships that – we don't ever want our spouse to feel that way, that they're coming in second place to something else that's going on in our life because it just evokes a bad and a negative and a hurtful feeling that there's something else that matters more to them than me. And that can be really difficult to kind of deal with. And there was a time um, a handful of years ago that I really got into training and doing some bodybuilding and all that kind of stuff. And for about two years, I went on this fitness journey and I was having the time of my life and I was working out and just in my, living my best life and all this kind of stuff, doing something for me, really enjoying this hobby. But you know what? After a while, I took a toll. And for a little while there, I had made my spouse and even my family in some ways second place during the evenings. And Hope so kindly sat me down one night and basically said, <laughs> Hey, buddy, we need to have a talk. And um, guys, you know, when a talk like that comes that like, okay, I, I have messed up. I have missed it somewhere. Uh, but she basically kind of told me, um, hey, we've got two boys at home and they're young. And I'm really excited for all this stuff that you have going in this hobby. And I'm glad for you. But this has really taken a toll. You making the family and me second place and not a priority. And so that was an adjustment I had to make. And as soon as I did that, things got back on track and life was good again. Yeah, I can remember um, they were very young. I mean, we had our oldest Maximus was two. And shortly after um, we had just had a newborn who was a few months old, Lake, and it was a lot. And so we definitely had to reprioritize um, the different things within a marriage and how that works. Um, but thankfully, like you said, we got on track. Yeah. Um, one thing that I want to talk about within a timeless marriage and on the subject of prioritizing is, you know, many of you 
um, in here that are listening, your moms and your dads. And this is very easy to do when you're playing a role of a parent, but you're also playing a role as a spouse too, where you can put your kids above your marriage if you're not careful. You know, one thing that we are still actively aiming to achieve this goal in our marriage is we have to train our kids to respect our marriage. Um, I think that is a huge point because if we're not careful to train our kids how to respect our marriage and the time that you and your spouse need together, then it can quickly get your priorities out of line where you find yourself not maybe fully neglecting your spouse and their needs and even like their belongingness there, but um, eventually it will catch up in time with you because we've allowed our kids to not have these boundaries that they need respect when it's mommy and daddy time or spouse time or other times. And so um, if we don't teach our kids to respect our marriages, I love this. I heard this quote that if we don't do this, then we're not going to have one. You're not going to have a marriage the way God intended you to have a marriage when it comes to prioritizing when you don't have um, boundaries that you're teaching your kids on the subject of respect. Yes, we have to love our kids. Yes, we have to meet their needs. Um, but don't let all your time and energy be consumed by them. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, Hope, that sounds impossible. Like I have one kid or a newborn or two or three or four. Maybe some of you have five or six. I have no clue, um, which I know if whether you have one or six kids, like it's going to eat your time in your day. You're going to have an opportunity where you feel like you're trying to meet everyone's needs, including your spouse's, including even your own. Um, that you're trying to navigate these things in your life, but we should not let it consume our time and our energy. Because I'm here to tell you, like, being a mom of three boys who are turning into these mighty men, like, they will consume your time. They will stress you out at times. They will pull on your energy and their needs to where by the time your night starts to wind down for you to even remember to take a breath to breathe, <laughs> like, you're going to be so exhausted that, your spouse is going to be like wanting to chit chat or, you know, have some quality time with you. And you're like bent out of shape all because we didn't teach our kids how to respect our marriage and put the things in them that we wanted to need. And, you know, when I think of this, I think of a quote that I heard that says, don't sacrifice your marriage for your parenting. You know, um, because like I said, it's easy to do when it comes to priorities and kids need this and they need that. But you know what? So does your spouse. Your spouse needs you. Your spouse has needs. Your spouse has things that they desire. And so, you know, if you're going to make sure that you're prioritizing your marriage and you're having a lasting healthy marriage, we have to set these boundaries within our kids. You know, some of the things that Ryan and I have done to do this, we have not arrived at this. We're growing like many of you guys. Um, but one things that we have done to this for teaching our kids to respect our marriage and our time together and prioritizing each other is going on dates. Now, we used to go on dates like 
all the time. Like every single Friday night, it was like our jam. We are like, we're going on dates. We're planning it. We've got the sitter. Good luck, sitter, because you got three boys to navigate. And don't call me unless like someone's extremely like hurt or giving you a hard time um, because we are so excited about it. But as the kids have gotten older and even through different seasons, you know, seasons are going to change where your kids are getting older or things happen and maybe you're not able to go out every single Friday or Saturday night. Maybe you're, you know, you're in a season kind of like where now we are, where it's like once a month, if we get a date night in once a month, we're like winning in our marriage. Like we're thriving over here. <laughs> um, and sometimes like we've kind of had the made that transition that if we're not going on a date every single week, that Friday's mornings work good for us. Like we take this time to go get coffee because like Ryan will tell you, we are like coffee machines and we have a huge addiction to coffee. Um, and so like we'll find any chance we can get day or night to have another cup of coffee. And we'll do that on Fridays. And so that's kind of like our go time together that we're making our marriage a priority, even if it is a 45 minute coffee time together. No, that's exactly right. Coffee time for us is a, is a huge deal. And um, that's a lot of times where we can just sit down and listen to each other talk. What's on your mind? What happened this week that we didn't, didn't get a chance to talk about um, during, you know, the time right before bed where sometimes you're just tired. You just you hit the pillow and next thing you know, you're out, especially for, for Hope, whenever she hits the pillow. Y'all, in five, I am out. In five minutes, she she is out, and I'll be talking sometimes, and you know she's just not listening because she's asleep. He knows and when I make the noise. When I make this loud noise, it's like I'm in deep sleep. You guys want to hear the noise this morning? What it sounds, <laughs> it sounds like? She, I'll, I'll do it for you. She goes, <clears throat> and I know whenever she does that, she she is asleep. Uh, so the first step to having a timeless marriage is to prioritize. But the second thing that we've seen that's worked well for us is that. And this might be obvious to some, but it, sometimes it's the obvious things that are, are super important is communication. We've all got to have great communication to have a timeless marriage that's going to last. And in Proverbs 18.21 in the Amplified, I love how it puts it. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it and indulge in it will eat the fruit of it, but also will bear the consequences of their words. And we have seen so many times in, in our marriage or talking to friends that, uh, and all of us I think can really relate to this today, is that when we're communicating, we can give life and we can give health and we can bring healing and we can bring restoration and we can bring peace, we can bring joy, we can bring all these godly things into our marriage whenever we speak life. Mm -hmm. But we've all been in those situations where we've had a day that we're just tired yeah, and we have been worn out from that week. We get into a conversation with our spouse, and something small becomes something big. Mm. And then all of a sudden, we use our words not intentionally. We just have been sowing more towards our flesh, and we're tired than our spirit. And we say that thing that we should not say. Mm -hmm. Guys, I know we've all been in that place where it's just like it's been a long week at work, and you had a really stressful day. And you come home, and maybe the kids are going wild, or whatever it is, and the dog is barking. And you just having that day and you know what you just kind of maybe you snap a little bit and you say something that you shouldn't say to your spouse and you're like as soon as you say it 
They're like, man, I should not have said that. That was the wrong thing to say. Because you can see immediately on your spouse's face that that was the wrong thing to say in that moment. And if we're not careful, we can get in the habit of getting comfortable with saying the wrong things to the right mm. things. And then all of a sudden in the marriage, we're not using our words to bring life to it, or we're using our words to complain and criticize and be judgmental and be hurtful. And whenever we get into that cycle, our marriage gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. However, on the flip side of it, our words can bring healing and they can bring life. And whenever they do that on a regular basis and we get in that type of cycle, communication can be a beautiful thing and it can bring such life to our marriage and cause it to last. Yeah, communication, when I think of that phrase, wow, that's such a big word. And I think of when I think of communication, it has to do a lot with listening, not just hearing. You know, I'm a woman, of course, as you can see and tell. And so I, I love to talk like I haven't met many women that don't just love to talk, especially when they get around their, you know, group of women, their girl gang or whatever, and they just love to chit chat. And so when I talk like I like to give all the details, like I'm if I'm talking to you as a friend or, you know, my spouse or my kids, like I am all into the details, even if it takes me 30 minutes, y'all, to tell a story like I want you to know exactly what they were wearing, what they look like, how they said the look on their face, how they said it. Like, I'm just going to go on and on and on. And especially like if I think you're like nodding your head, but really not, you're hearing me, but you're not listening to me. Uh, you better believe that my flesh is going to be like, I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to keep talking to you about this. And so um, a lot of times we get into these situations where we know our spouse is hearing us, but are they really listening? And there's a huge difference when it comes to this. In fact, it makes me think even in the book of James in chapter one, verse 19, it says, my dearest brothers and sisters, take this to heart. So clearly he wants us not to take it in with just our mind, but he's saying, I really want you to not just hear what I'm saying with your mind, but hear what I'm saying with your heart. And he says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. The Amplified says, be a thoughtful listener, a speaker of carefully chosen words. Um, we joke about this in our household because, <laughs> you know, like all of us, there's five of us in the house. I'm the only woman. We even have a dog who is a male. So, um, yeah, I'm totally outnumbered. But when we're talking in our house and we're engaging in these conversations that have to do with communication and hearing and listening, we all kind of have joked with Ryan now because, Ryan, he wants you to talk. It's not that he doesn't want you to talk. Like he wants to know all about your life and day and all that, but he wants you to do it fast. And he wants you to get to the point like in five to 10 minutes, drive it home. And sometimes he's a problem solver with his thoughts. And so you can already see that the moment you're starting to talk and tell him, a story or whatever it is that you're going through that he's like, okay, I just want to know the end, like get to the point, speed it up, you know? And I'm like, no, no, no. I want you to listen, not just hear. I want you to hear and listen to the details of it. Don't pressure me to speed it up. I want you to really engage in it. So yeah, that's kind of like the story that we all know about 
uh, Ryan in our lives. <laughs> no, that's exactly the truth. Uh, patience is an area that is ever evolving and growing in my life. And I joke around sometimes because I felt like the Lord wanted me to have more patience in life. So he gave us one son and I felt like he was like, Ryan, I think that you still need to grow in patience. So I'm going to give you another child. And uh, so I got a little bit more patient with that. And then I feel like the Lord was looking down at me and saying, Ryan, I don't think you're quite there yet. <laughs> and so here's a third child. And so after that, I had to make a deal with the Lord. Like, Lord, I'll be more patient. We <laughs> just don't need any more kids. <laughs> no more kids. <laughs> um, but I, I think the hope's point that she was making is that communication, it is listening to what your spouse is trying to tell you and not just rushing them through that. And so some of the things that we do is just like, yes, it's super practical, but it's super important is that we want to make sure when I get home from work, I want to say, how was your day? And actually take some time to listen about how her day was, but then also talk about before we get into the next day, what do you have going on tomorrow? What's your schedule like? What can I do to try to help with it? Because one of the third parts of communication that I've realized is taking me way too long to realize this, guys, and hopefully you have learned this lesson faster, is that body language is a way that we can communicate sometimes. You can read a story on somebody's face and their body language sometimes without them even saying a word. Mm -hmm. And so I've realized whenever I come home some days and I see Hope in the kitchen, and she's got a look on her face like <laughs> these kids have just put me through it and they have worn me out in this short amount of time from me picking them up from school to where we are at currently in the day. I've realized that, okay, she is showing me some body language and she is doing some communication right now, basically saying, I'm stressed, buddy, and you might want to take these kids and go pick up dinner so I can have some time to myself because otherwise there's going to be some other communication that is hers just stressfully talking um, because she's frustrated and she just needs a break. And so for me, that's been something that I've tried to do better, especially over these last couple of years to be like, Hey boys, guess what? We're going to go to Chick-fil-A. Who wants to go to Chick-fil-A tonight? We're going to go pick up dinner and we're going to be back and give hope some time to herself because she's communicating something to me in that moment. And that is I need a break. And so guys, we've got to pick up on some of these things with our spouse that Sometimes it's a look on the face. Sometimes it's they're slumped over and maybe they're stressed or maybe they're down, having a down day or something happened like that. And we've got to be able to pick up on some of that body language as well. Our third point that we want to talk about for having a timeless marriage is course correct. Let's ask ourselves this question. I'm sure all of you in here listening can totally relate to this when it comes to marriage and communication, even with your spouse is, have you ever had to have a hard conversation with your spouse? Like me too, through seasons of marriage, we're going to have these hard conversations sometimes that come up. And sometimes we have to have these hard conversations because maybe through a season of marriage, we can sense or even see our spouse is drifting. You know, when I think of drifting, I think about how me as a child into my teenage years, like one of our favorite things to do was go to Destin, Florida um, and go to the beach with our parents. And it was like our favorite time because we knew we were going to be there like seven days or more. I totally loved it. It was awesome. Like even this day, like when me and Ryan go to Florida, I'm like, we stayed there. We stayed there. We stayed there. And like, I know it totally annoys him, but I love telling him like we stayed there. Um, just because we were always at the beach every single summer growing up. 
But I can remember this one particular summer where um, my dad, like he obviously was for some of you may or may not know, but he was like this amazing preacher, right? And so like he loved to have fun time too, pulling away from ministry. And so he decided to go and get this raft. Like it was probably one of the cheapest rafts I've ever seen actually. And he was not like a fit man, like he was kind of large. And, and so like he decided to go on this raft and he loved being in the sun, like sunbathing y'all was his thing. Like he loved burning, but he would get like super dark and tan and he loved being in the ocean. And so he had this idea, he was going to get this raft and he was just going to go chill, but none of us could go and follow him. He was like, I want to be by myself. But what happened was hours and hours and hours went by and through the process of that, we could not locate him. Like he drifted so far out into the ocean and we were like, what has happened to dad? And of course my mom is in full blown panic mode because she's like thinking the worst thing ever, like a shark, you know, what has happened? And, you know, so it wasn't until long after that he made it back to shore hours and hours later because a boat came and spotted him and actually tipped him over the raft. But in marriage, this happens where we see things and we notice things within our spouse or even in our marriage where it seems like they're drifting. Maybe they've, you know, drifted out through, you know, they're distant where they're no longer communicating. Maybe it's that they're not wanting to be around us. Or maybe sometimes a sign of drifting is they're just silent. They're not talking. Maybe they're less affectionate. They're disinterested in what you like or even maybe who you have become. Hopefully not, but that is a sign of drifting. Or maybe they're just like totally impatient. And so I always say this, that hard conversations lead to better outcomes. And in Revelation 2, 4, it talks about Jesus is actually speaking here and he's talking to the church of Ephesus and he's letting them know like, hey guys, like there was this time in the season in your life where you were like totally in love with me. Like you loved being around me. You gave me your undivided time and attention and we were doing this thing together and, and it was awesome. It was growing. It was loving and all these things. But he said, you know, one thing I've noticed along different seasons is you began to drift. He says, I noticed that, you know, it says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. You've abandoned your passionate love for me. Remember where you had fallen, repent and return to where it all began. And we're going to have to do this when it comes to marriage and course correcting ourselves. We're going to have to have those hard, difficult conversations. We're going to have to be willing to admit some things where we missed it or drifted out too far or whatever it may be and remind ourselves that this is where the relationship with Christ and the relationship with our spouse once started. And I love what he says, because he says, like, you are going to have seasons where you'll drift. But he says that you can still come back. You can still come back, just like my dad came back to the ocean surface of the sand. He found his way back. We can find our way back to where our love for Christ began in that relationship and where our love for our spouse first began when we repent and return to where it all started. There's so much power in that point. No, I think that's an amazing first point when it comes to course correct, because, you know, as you were talking and I was thinking about, we were getting ready for, for this message. 
Um, the Lord brought this story up to my heart that happened to me years ago. Um, I had a really good friend uh, that made a phone call to me on a Sunday morning one time, right before church was about to start. I'm just going to call that friend Bill. For the Bill. Sake of the story. Nobody knows Bill. <laughs> we We're love gonna, Bill. Bill's a great guy, by the way. <laughs> but um, so Bill gives me this call and he's supposed to be there at church. He kind of serves in the church, that type of thing. I'm, I'm used to seeing him by that time on Sunday. He calls my phone and I can hear it in his voice. Something has gone wrong with Bill. And Bill proceeds to tell me about how he had this big argument with his wife and that he's staying in a hotel right now and he's to your wife in this situation because until you do that, no healing can take place. And the second thing I told Bill was this, I was like, you may not want to do this right now, Bill, but in order to course correct this situation and for you to get back home and get the marriage back on track, you need to be a peacemaker. You need to confess that you made some mistakes and you need to confess that you made some uh, some other mistakes in how you communicated yesterday before you left the house and got to the hotel. And in James 5, 16, it says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you can be healed because the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous person, it avails much. And so I told Bill, I was like, the first step is to course correct. You've got to adjust your heart. You've got to bring Christ back to the center of this marriage. You've got to let him speak to your heart and you've got to realize that he has forgiven you. And the second thing you've got to do is you've got to come back and you've got to confess to your wife that, you know what? I missed it. I want to be the peacemaker. And even if you don't feel like you're wrong, Bill, you need to say you're wrong because you need to bring peace and healing back to that marriage. And according to that verse of scripture, that whenever we do confess, it says that we may be healed. Healing takes place in a marriage whenever we adjust our hearts and we confess our faults one to another. Which leads us to my last point today that we want to share with you about how to have a timeless marriage. And that is this. The fourth thing is to forgive. In that moment when I was talking to Bill, I knew the thing that needed to take place before anything else for them to course correct and get back on track was this, is that there just needed to be forgiveness. It was going to be difficult because all the emotion, but they simply just needed to forgive. And in 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to the knowledge, talking about your spouse, giving honor to your wife as the weaker vessel, being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Right there in that moment, whenever I was talking to Bill, unforgiveness was large and in charge. And when we have unforgiveness, it creates <laughs> distance. So much so Bill went to the hotel because he needed some distance in that moment and didn't know what to do. And it started to create bitterness and it started to create pain in his life. And that's what unforgiveness does in marriages is when we don't forgive and when we don't course correct, the enemy is a thief and he comes to steal, kill and destroy. Yeah. And that's exactly what he was doing to their marriage in that moment. He was trying to destroy their marriage and he was trying to steal the joy out of it. Mm. And he was trying to bring pain into their marriage. And ultimately he was trying to get them to just give up. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side of it, whenever we invite God in and we do pray for each other and we do confess to each other, that verse says that healing will come in to the marriage. And whenever healing comes in, love comes in, which means God comes in to touch that situation. God comes in to touch that marriage. 
And if we want to have a timeless marriage and a lasting marriage, we've got to learn to course correct. But we've also got to learn to forgive. Even when we don't feel like it, our heart knows that we need to because that's what's going to bring healing to the marriage. And according to First Peter, that's what's going to cause our prayers not to be hindered so that we can see God move in our lives and bring the things into our lives and our families that we're believing for. Yeah, unforgiveness, y'all, it shows on your faces. <laughs> it shows in your tones. It shows in your words and even in our actions. Um, our behavior should actually reflect a decision to forgive. And sometimes forgiveness isn't automatic. Sometimes it's like we have to go to God and we have to repent and ask God to show us where we missed it. Because if we're going to be able to forgive our spouse, we, we have to also learn to forgive ourselves. You know, Christ loves us and he forgives us no matter what we've said or done wrong, no matter if we're, um, you know, a Christian or not. Like he has his arms open for, for us to walk into forgiveness and receive his love and forgiveness. But we have to be able to forgive ourselves so that we can forgive our spouse as well. And so forgiveness is a decision and it's a daily decision. You know, if I'm not willing to admit where I have missed it, then I can't expect my marriage to grow and get better if I'm not willing to admit it and if I'm not willing to correct it. Um, and sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow is to admit your own faults like, hey, I screwed up or I messed up. And like, I know I shouldn't have said this and done this, but like I'm human, too. And so, you know, you have to be willing that if you're going to grow in your marriage to be open and honest with your spouse, but be willing to forgive yourself and then forgive your spouse as well. And it makes me think of, um, you know, so me and Ryan have this thing, like since we've been married, like you said, we got married at a young age. He was um, 19. I was 21. So of course I'm two years older. And um, anyway, like, you know, our first few years of marriage, probably like many of you, especially at, if you got married at a young age, it's a little more challenging at times. Like me and Ryan really didn't grow up with a lot of marriage counseling. We didn't grow up with like these parents that we necessarily confided in and like, hey, how do you do marriage? And, you know, let's learn from you guys. Like it was totally like, um, no, we we're, we love each other. We know we're supposed to be together. God ordained this. So let's do this. And, you know, like we probably thought in our minds, we knew what we were doing getting married. But honestly, y'all, we did not like we had some good things, but we had some things that just like you guys, we had to grow and learn and are still growing and learning through every season. And so one way that me and Ryan would, you know, if we got into a disagreement or something happened that shouldn't have happened. Ryan would always tell me, like, <laughs> he would always say, Hope, you know, how one way I know by how you have truly forgiven me is by giving me a kiss, like on the mouth, not a kiss on the cheek, <laughs> not a kiss like a peck, you know, because I tried that, y'all, and it didn't work. Like, he could tell, like, yeah, based on your words and your actions and your body language, there's still some unforgiveness there. <laughs> there's still some things you have not let go. And, you know, one of my love languages that I am working on is to be more physical touch. And Ryan is physical touch. I mean, obviously, he wanted to seal it with a kiss, right? The forgiveness. Um, but, you know, he was like, that's how I know that we have forgiven each other is we can give each other a kiss. We're sealing it with a kiss on the mouth. And... <laughs> 
we know that we have truly forgiven. Because I don't know about y'all, but I like challenge y'all to do that, right? Like it's a really good challenge. You'll be able to see really or not if you've really let go and moved on and really forgiven them by doing that. And it sounds so simple or like even funny, but he is dead right about it. Like I know that if I cannot kiss Ryan on the mouth, then I have not truly forgiven the way Christ wants me to forgive him. And so I love that, like forgiveness is an action and forgiveness is, you know, sealing it with a kiss. Yeah, I have a confession to make to all of you all this morning <laughs> is actually I made that entire thing up just because I wanted to get a kiss from my wife. No, I'm just kidding. Of course he did. No. <laughs> That is something that we have practiced over over the years, and I, I do get the benefit from it because I get a, a kiss from my, my beautiful wife. But it is part of forgiveness. Yeah. Is that forgiveness is expressed just the same way love is expressed. And if there's still distance there after we said, I'm sorry, yeah. then forgiveness has not really been a work of the heart. It's just been a work of the mouth. Yeah, that's good. And so today we just want to kind of end with encouraging all of you here today, but then also us as well, that to have a timeless marriage, to have a marriage that's going to last, you know, we've got to prioritize each other. We've got to communicate well. We've got to course correct because there's going to be times in our relationship and our marriage that we just get off track for one reason or another. Life happens, mm -hmm. right? But at the end of it, the thing that will bring us back to Christ and the thing that will bring us back to each other is to forgive. Mm -hmm. And so whenever we get stuck in those moments, I want to encourage us to be the first one to say you're sorry. Yeah. Be the first one to close the distance. Be the one to recognize that there's tension and pay attention to that tension. Mm. Come to each other. Forgive each other. Confess to each other when you've made a mistake. Be the first one to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Be the first one to come to the other one and say, you know what? I need to get my heart right about a situation or I handled that situation wrong. And I just want to come to you because I want healing to take place in our marriage. Because God truly does want healing to take place in our marriages because you might not be in that season right now, but there could be a season or something that takes place next week where you need this. Mm -hmm. and you need to remember that I've got to forgive even when I don't feel like it. Yeah. And so today to kind of end the service, we just want to pray together. Like we opened up the service with today, we just want to encourage you, if you are married here, to grab hands with your spouse and let's pray together today. I want to pray for the marriages, but we also want to give an opportunity for those that are here and maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior where you can do that today. So let's pray. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. This is us part two. That is by me and my beefcake. Y'all, we had so much fun preparing this message and this episode about how to have a timeless marriage, which just simply means a lasting marriage. We've been married for this year. It'll be in September 18 years. And we have just enjoyed and grown and learned so many things of what to do and what not to do. Um, 
through these last 18 years. And so I pray that today's message has spoke to you. I pray that if you know somebody who's newly married or thinking about getting married, or even if they've been married for several years now, that this message in this episode just speaks so much life and encouragement and forgiveness and love um, and even restoration towards the marriage that God is calling you to live out in your life. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple iTunes, like it, share it, repost it with all your friends and family. And once again, thank you for being so supportive of uh, the podcast, Straight Talk with Hope. And we will see you back here again on another episode. Peace out, everybody. Have a happy Valentine's Day.